Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our studio Ed Madden, Ray McManus, and Jeffrey McCullough. Author of four books of poetry, Ed Madden is a professor of English and director of the Women's and Gender Studies program at the University of South Carolina. In 2005, he was named the Poet Laureate for the City of Columbia. Ray McManus is an award-winning poet and professor of English at the University of South Carolina, Sumter. He is writer-in-residence at the Columbia Museum of Art and chair of the Board of Governors for the South Carolina Academy of Authors. Jeffrey McCullough is Special Collections Librarian and University Archivist at Furman University and is co-editor of Archive, South Carolina Poetry Since 2005, published by the 96 Press, which is part of the South Carolina Poetry Archives in Furman's Special Collections and Archives Department. So welcome everyone to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Curtis. Glad you're here. So tell us a little bit about Archive South Carolina Poetry since 2005. How did did all of you get uh, interested in this and involved in this, and and how did you put the publication together? Well, hi, this is Jeff. Um, The project started when the 96 Press archive and title was transferred to the Furman Libraries after the founders, Gil Allen and Bill Rogers, retired. And so we found ourselves to be publishers. So talking with them about how, what direction we wanted to take the press in, we thought, well, we, we need to launch something that is, that is interesting and, and large scale and inclusive for the state. and. Uh, since the last poetry anthology that the press published was in 2005, we thought, well, let's bring it up to date. And so 13, 14 years forward, let's take stock uh, of the poetic landscape of South Carolina, at least as much as we can, and bring out an anthology that incorporates uh, some of the writings that South Carolina poets have published in uh, journals or books over the past couple years now, and put it all together and see if we can keep putting out art, uh, these these grand anthologies every decade or so and document South Carolina poetics. And when was this actually published? Was this last year or? Yes, the book was published in April 2018. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, perfect month because that's National Poetry Month, isn't it? <laughs> so how were uh, both of you involved, Ed and Ray? We got an email from Jeffrey saying this is coming out. <laughs> Send us some poems. <laughs> That's th- one way to get uh, get input. <laughs> well, and I think we we were reached out because we were in the the um, what was it called the millennial the sampler. millennial sampler. Even uh, though it was two thousand five, it was a millennial sampler. Right, that was the uh, title of the book. So uh, so I, I guess it gave a, um, uh, a sort of list, if you will, for 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 Jeffrey to reach out to. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I. I speak for Ed, I think, and we, we both jumped at the chance. Um, I certainly love uh, uh, the work that they're doing up there and uh, to be a part of it and to be a part of an anthology that, that really celebrates South Carolina poets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that was really cool. We put out a big call uh, for submissions in the fall of 2017 uh, to previous uh, published poets that we knew of, people from the anthology, previous anthologies, and to all the various English departments and writing groups around the state, to the Poetry Society of South Carolina, and uh, to as many people as far and wide and around in the state that could to contribute. And 
the anthology ended up with 46 contributors from all around the state. So I, I'd like to think it's, it's as best a representative slice uh, of South Carolina poet, poetics as we can, but um, you know, um, it's, it's as best we could get it, we tried. And what were the criteria for submission? Was there, because um, I, I would imagine a project like this, you'd get hundreds, maybe thousands of, of submissions. So how were you able to narrow it down? We wanted poets to submit work that had been previously published in the period 2006 to the present. So again, that's sort of the taking stock of, of, the, uh, of the, the decade plus a couple years since the last anthology. So we're trying to do this documentary kind of project. So people submitted uh, an amazing amount of work and we, we had a hard time whittling it down to 200 pages and 46 poets. Hmm. And talk to me a little bit about why it's important to have these kinds of anthologies. <laughs> Everyone's looking at each other. <laughs> well, this is Jeff. I'll, I'll say that, um, you know, our thinking certainly was that the demographics of South Carolina have changed in the past 14, 15 years. Um, we are a much more diverse state. We have new folks moving in and living here, uh, teaching here, writing here, and if we do it again in another 15 years, I think it's going to look totally different. So mm -hmm. we, we definitely wanted to capture that, mm -hmm. um, the way the state is changing and the way um, people are writing about all sorts of things. The, if, you, if you work your way through the anthology, you certainly see that um, there are many different styles and approaches, and some are very um, abstract, and some are very hard-hitting. Um, this is a different state than it was in two 2005. I mm, mean, yeah. I, the, the Confederate flag is no longer flying in the state house. A uh, number of things mm -hmm. have changed in this state, and the poetic landscape certainly reflects that. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's also what we wanted to consciously try to capture as much as we could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's kind of a snapshot of where the arts mm -hmm. are at that moment, the literary arts. So it's, it's, it's useful in that way as a kind of snapshot of who we are or who we were. Um, but I think these kinds of things are really useful too because you might know two or three poets in here, but then if you get the anthology, you'll, you'll run across a bunch more you've never heard of and maybe buy right. their books or, or follow them as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you might know Ray McManus um, or Susan Myers, mm -hmm. um, but then you might hit someone crazy like Roy Seeker or Phoebe Davidson or... Um, Vera Gomez, I mean, other voices that, that, that you might not have known of otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and, and from, a, you know, from the poet's perspective, I think, too, just to, to be included in that kind of volume. I mean, I think it's real easy to feel as both a, a Southerner, a South Carolinian, and a poet uh, very insular in any one of those three sort of categories, and mm -hmm. you put all three together, and then you might as well be under a table somewhere. And then you realize, like Ed was saying, that you know, you, you are a part of this larger conversation that, that is ever-evolving and ever-changing, um, and, and, and it's refreshing, mm -hmm. um, honestly, uh, because when you, you thumb through an anthology like this one, and, 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 and it is uh, very diverse, um, and, I, and I think that's one of the things that we should celebrate the most out of it, because it's, uh, it is a special um, uh, sort of uh, an, an artifact, if you will, an mm. archive that is um, a slice, a snapshot, I think we've, we've called it all that already, 
um, of, of the way things are now. Um, imagine, you know, I can't wait to see what the next one will look like 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. You know, who's still here? Who's come here? Um, how has that conversation changed and evolved? Um, how has the canon changed and evolved? Mm -hmm. um, and so, so to be a part of that um, is, is a really cool experience. Um, and I don't envy at all, um, you know, the task that Jeffrey has to take by um, taking all of this work and then trying to whittle it down into something that, you know, um, you know, w w with one volume, 200 pages, uh, <laughs> down to 46, that's, um, that is, that's a daunting task. Um, mm -hmm. Because even though there's a lot of folks in here, this is probably about half, mm. maybe, not even. Um, and, you know, and certainly uh, what you see in the community, there's a lot of folks out there that are writing poetry and reading poetry. Um, and, you know, maybe they want to continue doing that, want to see, you know, what else, what is out there. Um, and they pick up an anthology like that and they can see that it's not just in Columbia, it's in Charleston, it's in the PD, it's, it's, it's in the upstate, you know, it's, it's everywhere in so many different communities and, uh, and it's a way to link. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How long did it take to put this together? It took us oh, a, a probably a good three or four months after the submissions had come in to um, me and my two co-editors, mm -hmm. Gil Allen and Bill Rogers. Um, it took us so a couple meetings and, and lunches going back and forth and hashing everything out and uh, um, it was it was a difficult it was a difficult thing to do to say okay we we have to we have to really make make this work in a way that fits the size of the of the package mm -hmm. uh, but uh, uh, hopefully hopefully well worth it. How, how is an anthology like this used? Is it used in the classroom? Is it used, uh, I, I, you know, how, how do people normally um, go about using anthologies? It could be used in the classroom. Uh, I don't know if Tara Powell has used this particular one, but Tara Powell, who teaches Southern literature and specifically uh, 20th century, 20th and 21st century Southern poetry at USC, she frequently uses an anthology like this in that classroom. Um, so that the students are reading contemporary work by South Carolina writers. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, I and I'm, I do it um, in my uh, Southern Lit class as well. Um, uh, if I want to do uh, Southern literature, I can use the uh, the uh, edited volume for South Carolina um, or Georgia or Tennessee, whatever that uh, Stephen Gardner and uh, uh, Will Wright had put together. Um, and students enjoy that, but what they really enjoy are anthologies like this that have South Carolina writers, South Carolina poets in it especially, because there, there's, it, it's more relatable, I think, to the student. Mm -hmm. um, when you're writing about, um, you've got poets in here, poems in here about, um, you know, uh, hurricane season or, mm -hmm. you, know, um, you know, growing up in rural South Carolina, growing up in cities in South Carolina. Um, seeing the, the, the sort of seismic shifts that have taken place culturally in the last 40 and 50 years, there are things that not only can they relate to, but they can see their, their aunts and their uncles and their grandparents in these poems. Um, and and it, I think for students of South Carolina, um, you know, the bigger picture here is that it brings them a, a connection to poetry. Um, that I think sometimes is, is a challenge for, for teachers to get students interested in poetry um, when they're reading. And I'm not knocking Robert Frost, he's a great poet, but you know, apple picking in, in, in New England is not necessarily <laughs> going to Relatable. Help. Right. Yeah. You know? um, so anthologies like this one 
um, is is you know we I love having these um, and this is you know uh, archive um, the millennial sampler and the uh, the other anthology I was talking about um, uh, are three that I use pretty much either whether I'm doing South Carolina studies or using uh, it in the 400 level Southern Lit class mm -hmm. um, and uh, and the students I assign I assign poems that we're not reading for them to write papers on. So they have to dive into the anthology and look around and find things that speak to them. And, and it's always fascinating to see what they pull. The other nice thing about an anthology like this, too, is they're mostly living writers. So you can invite yeah. the writers to the classroom. I know that Tara Powell does that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that can be a, a, a really enriching thing for teaching as well. Definitely. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask uh, uh, each of you, if you would, um, wouldn't mind reading a poem for our listeners. It could e either be one of yours or maybe a favorite one that you have in the anthology. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll read, uh, I'll read one. This is, uh, this is a poem from Kathleen Nally. Um, and she's at Clemson, right? She's up in Clemson, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called The Last Man on the Moon. Everyone knows Neil Armstrong. Stay puff moonwalker, American poster boy, question to Jeopardy answer. The way Aldrin was all the buzz. Everyone loves firsts, first date, first love, first sex, first lunar walk. No one talks of lasts, marathon walker, buffalo corpse, minimum wage worker, the sister not quick enough to the table, Eugene Cernan, who drove a lunar rover a mile, then knelt, and traced his daughter's initials, TDC, into dust. Cernan, the last man on the moon, the end of a legacy, the omega, the Z, the period at the end of a sentence, the one whose name we don't remember, the one who etched his daughter into the cosmos. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. <laughs> that's really neat. Ed, what you got? Uh, I'm going to read one by Susan Myers, Susan Lauder Myers. Um, it's a really beautiful poem, I think, called The Tilt That Stumbles Me. The Tilt That Stumbles Me. I'm driving down the road, by my side a sack of camellia blossoms and a bee. The blossoms, their petals silky coins of pink and red, are stacked and staggered, some fluted at the edges, some speckled with gold, beauty heaped in a disarray though the wrinkled sack lacks all signs of it. I'm driving down the road with a sack of beauty, which I can tell by the buzzing and tapping is an ill fit for the bee. When I pick camellias, I know to hold the blossoms upside down to free the bees that may have tunneled deep. Sometimes the bee does not emerge. You must learn to look at the world upside down, the preacher said at Phil's funeral. The preacher said this clearly, despite his stutter, the world that, that will never be the same, the tilt that stumbles me. At the light, I roll the window down and open the sack, shaking it and imagining a kiss of bitterness and then another stinging and singing in circles at my head. My forehead and nape, the softest spot on my wrist, they crawl with the song, but the bee does not emerge. When the light turns green, I bear right at Cosgrove, marsh, palmettos, this sack of beauty. I hear the tapping again and again, each time fainter until no more. Wow, that's, 
I mean, I can just picture the camellias, you yeah. know, that's how much more South Carolina can you get? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Susan, didn't she pass away? She did in 2017. Okay, yeah. And actually yes. a group of her friends decided upon the submission um, oh, based really? on some of her, her published oh, work that, really nice. that they would submit on her behalf for the anthology. So we're nice. really pleased to, to have that from her. That was great. And yeah. Jeffrey, do you want to Yeah, I'd like to read share one, one, too. This, uh, this is a short poem from Vera Gomez. Uh, Vera is up in Greenville as well, in my, my hometown. This is called Fenty. There's a kink in this need to build a fence, a nail in the finality of names like Mick, Wop, Black, Spick, something harsh, like when we pretend these people's backs did not build America. You can pull back the layers of one lone onion plucked from the ground by the tired hands of a mojado, but the smell reminds us of his sweat-drenched shirt and from where each of us come. Wow, that's powerful too. And, and you know, timely. You, yeah, very mm-hmm. timely. But you, yeah. know, you know, you hear these these three examples from this anthology, and it's it's three different worlds. Yet there's something that pulls them together. You mm-hmm. know really powerful yeah. stuff and also I think too uh, just purely by design all three of us sort of picked a poem we all picked uh, three female poets hmm. and uh, which I do think is uh, something that we're seeing more of when we see anthologies like this we're see, you know I think Jeffrey was talking about this earlier about the inclusion of so many different cultures but especially with southern poetry and South Carolina poetry to see more women um, that are involved because they have always been there and they've always been a part. They just may not have always been included in the canon. Um, and and now, you know, these are these are the powerful voices that uh, mm-hmm. I find myself, um, you know, as a reader, being really drawn to. Um, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one, one of the things that I always like to ask her in this podcast, since this is Library Voices SC, um, we always do talk about things that relate to libraries, which, of course, poetry and this anthology and, you know, the, the Furman uh, Library and Archive. Um, but do any of you have any specific or interesting library stories that you'd like to share? And it could be related to the anthology or not. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't have been a, I don't think I would have become a poet had I not Stole a book from the library, um, you know, when I was in high school. I mean, not and, and and it was uh, Sound and Sense, and uh, I won't get into why I was in the library, but it was it was punished. Detention. It was detention, yeah, at the time, and and uh, and there was that book, and and I started thumbing through it and found found poetry in it, and and poetry that I should have read probably by that time, but I hadn't, and uh, I I just immediately fell in love with the language and wanted to read more it wasn't stuff that we saw in textbooks you know mm-hmm. it wasn't Shakespeare it was these were American poets and and um, and I might not have understood half of what I was reading but but I fell in love with it and uh, and so that's why I, I, I libraries out there everywhere need to have a lot of poetry um, because somebody like me is going to come in there and want to steal it um, <laughs> and that's a good thing I mean, and as a librarian, I'm sure Jeff can relate to this. Uh, I think that's wonderful. Part, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I am I am all for that. I'm not you know promoting it, but 
I did give the book back. Well, there you go. There you go. 25 years later. Good karma there. (laughs) (laughs) That always makes a good news story. You know, I'm all about PR in the library. I, I think last time I was here, I told you about just being one of those little nerdy kids who loved going uh-huh. to the library every week, and I, I was holding a, a ton of books when I left. And um, but I, but because the name of this book is called Archive, I'm just thinking of archive stories, and I love doing archival research as a scholar. And uh, just one of the things that's just been a thrill for me uh, back in 2008, I was working in. Um, the National Library of Ireland just looking through old periodicals and I found a, an interview with a playwright from London and I thought this guy sounds amazing this play sounds amazing and then I spent the next five years trying to find him and emailing people <laughs> and emailing Oval House Theatre in London over and over again because that's where he performed most of his stuff and they kept saying oh our archivist has quit oh our archives are a mess oh no one's here who can help you <laughs> but they kept forwarding my emails to people and finally in 2013 they forwarded it to his sister oh. who forwarded it to one of his directors and anyway just since then just because I was reading stuff trying to find um, representations of a, of a particular kind of migrant culture um, and specifically I was looking for gay writers so I was thinking what was it like to be gay in the 80s when you couldn't be openly gay in Ireland but you really couldn't be Irish in England because they all thought you were terrorists yep. and there was this guy who was writing plays about that and they've never been published but anyway I have since met the sister, met the best friend, met the director um, I've gotten copies of five of his plays at this point. I've met his literary executors. I put on I did put on a production of one of his plays in Dublin at the end of 2017. Um, and it's all just because I was being a nerd and sitting in an archive <laughs> and reading periodicals to see what I could find. That's great. That's that's amazing. That, yeah, that just kind of blows your mind that that one you know little step can lead to that that mushroom. You yeah. know. So Jeff, what about you? How did you get involved in libraries? Oh, I uh, uh, kind of fell into it through the back door. Um, not many children grow up wanting to be librarians, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you sort of whittle down some of the things that don't work and jobs that you have that you decide you don't want to do anymore and you kind of work your way there. But I ended up curating an exhibit for an academic department I was working for. Uh, and it got me into the, the this program, our department's archives, and telling stories by putting assemblages of documents together and trying to interpret them for an audience that's visual and textual on a wall or in an exhibit case. And that really got me hooked. And so I thought, oh, this is this is great. This is a way of, you know, doing research, but also bringing it out to a wider audience in an exhibit format that you do programming around and give tours of and that sort of thing. I thought that's that's really great. And there's there are programs that, you know, train you to do this and, and work with rare books and special collections and archives and that sort of thing. So so yeah, a couple couple institutions later I'm happily ensconced at Furman working with this South Carolina poetry archives, amongst other things. Um, you know, we have the uh, largest collection of published works by South Carolina writers that are out there a thousand plus volumes that go from the 18th century to the present and we have um, 20 and you just got another box of yes Ed, so. Ed just Ed just gave us another box of materials today so I'm constantly you know hoovering up all this great stuff <laughs> but we have the papers of 20 South Carolina poets that means they're 
journals and their letters and their drafts and all the various stages of the manuscripts of their books mm-hmm. all in one place. And uh, uh, we were talking about Susan Myers recently. Well, I, we have her archives now, the, the, the last chunk of it that, that came up and it has 20 years of her journals. Wow. And her journals are amazing because some of them are, pages are grocery lists and to-do lists for the day. Others are jottings of just, you know, a couplet here or a thought to follow up on or a research problem or language experiments. And you can just dive into these journals and see her thought process kind of unfold on paper and then follow that through to her manuscripts, which are in mm-hmm. another box, mm-hmm. and then take her manuscripts and go to another box and you see you know, the drafts of her book and how, how she revises that and gets it out into mm-hmm. a journal submission or a published uh, book of poems. And it's just amazing because you, you have all this in front of you. It's a great teaching tool for our students and for, and for anyone who wants to come up and use the archives. And this, I mean, speaks to the fact of, Ed, what you were talking about. If, if that playwright, you know, if, if all of that information had been in an archive somewhere, it would have been made your life a whole lot easier. So yeah. um, at Furman, are you digitizing any of the, um, the, those kind of primary resources? We, we haven't done any, any recent material yet because that's there are copyright and permissions mm-hmm. and all those sorts of issues. Um, and it's not within the realm of, of impossibility, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the 19th century materials, I think, are ripe for that, though. We have um, uh, papers uh, and, and published material by um, South Carolina authors before the war, after the war, and into the early 20th century that are very interesting. Um, uh, we have the Poetry Society of South Carolina yearbooks that was started in the 20s down in Charleston with that Charleston Renaissance group of poets. And those, I think, are ripe for uh, bringing out to a wider audience mm-hmm. because there's so much interesting stuff in there as well. So I think wh- we've been digitizing other things, but I think we're, we're on the cusp of, of thinking about something mm-hmm. with, with this as well. Great. Yeah. Um, one of the things I'd like to ask in wrapping up, uh, since there are three of you here, I would like to pick your brains, but what's the next big thing in, in South Carolina poetry coming up or any special events? I mean, next month is National Poetry Month. Is there anything going on specifically in the state? Poet Laureate of Columbia right here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we'll be, we will, so in Columbia, we've tried to do some kind of guerrilla poetry project every April. So last year it was, uh, the, gosh, what did we do last year? Oh, the fake real estate boxes all over the city that had poems in them, and then the banners we put up and down Main Street with eight South Carolina poets on them. A uh, year before last, we did the fake parking tickets all over downtown on April Fool's Day. Yeah, I remember. I got one of those. Oh, yeah, they were cool. <laughs> um, the year before that, we did uh, poems on coffee sleeves. Um, in January this year, we did rain poetry, so poems in invisible waterproof paint that only show up when it rains. So we've done we've done one batch of those all, those, all over the city. We're going to do another batch in April. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to work out, but the two things we're trying to do, uh, one project we're calling a history of haircuts. So we're trying to get barbers and hair salons to let us have poems to be distributed there or do them on posters or something. Hmm. Um, and the other project, uh, it may be for next year, but we, I hope it's this year. We want to do... Um, poems about clothing and see if we can get dry cleaners or laundries to like just staple them with the with the receipt 
because um, I just think there are so many really cool poems and so many poems that could be written about the things you wear or the things you wore or the mm. things you wore at that time or, mm-hmm. or the or, things you'd really want to wear yeah or the <laughs> thing you got from your mom or your dad or your grandparent or you know that kind of thing so the, the, I hope we can do something along those lines but definitely another set of rain poems are going to show up all over the city in April that's very neat yeah and then um, March uh, shoot Next weekend, I believe, isn't it? Next weekend is Decalage. Decalage, yeah. twenty fourth, right. twenty yes. second, twenty third. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll have we'll have that going on. In fact, we'll have a panel um, on oh, tap table. We have a, a panel on um, uh, on archive and uh, uh, who no. will be on the panel? We're going to have a group of ten poets. Wow, from all around the state. Uh, so it's going to be sort of poetic speed dating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, ten poets, fifty minutes, five minutes per, and you'll be able to see f- ten very different voices. Uh, that's that's the fun part uh, that I didn't mention yet. But we've been doing group poetry readings like this all around the state since last April. Um, and uh, Decalage is going to be one, and then we're doing another one on April twenty seventh down at the Pat Conroy Center in Beaufort uh, with another different group of ten poets. Um, a lot, lot of uh, Buford and Charleston Low Country era uh, poets are going to be down there reading. So uh, it's a chance to come out and and hear very different people read from their work, and it's uh, that that experience is great. Uh, we've had a lot of great responses just from people just being amazed at seeing poets and hearing poets in person reading from their own work. There's mm-hmm. there's nothing quite like that. Oh yeah, and that when you get ten different people in the same room <laughs> reading it. From their work, it's it's a it's a really fun environment, uh, and great atmosphere. And where is Decalage taking place? Is that the Richland Library? Yeah, uh, Richland Library. Okay, mm-hmm. and people can just Google Decalage, South Carolina. Decalage, South Carolina. Um, uh, there's also a Facebook page. Um, but it's uh, Saturday, March 23rd. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it's you know all day, um, and then I, there's so many you know uh, so many great things that just sort of happen throughout the year through various um, agencies and entities, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll have things going on at the Columbia Museum of Art, um, you know, between the Ride Around series, and uh, uh, we're hoping to have um, a Poet Summit in November, um, and uh, so we've got some folks lined up for that, uh, and that'll be pretty wild. Um, uh, but, you know, Ed's always got projects going on around the city, and uh, between the city and 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 um, uh, the museum, you know, and and not not to mention, you know, just uh, what folks are doing out there in the community, like Al Black, who seems like he's got a poetry series going every week, you know, and three um, a week, just three a week. <laughs> I mean, wow. so you know, there's there's a uh, you know no shortage of of, of events, um, mm-hmm. and that's just here. Mm-hmm. That's not counting what's happening in the Low Country and Beaufort and Charleston, or mm-hmm. what's happening up in in Clemson or in Spartanburg or Greenville, mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, and it's exciting. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, but it, I know it's difficult sometimes for folks to find, you know, to to, to find those events. And uh, so we try to publish as much as we can on on Facebook and you know hit social media in general. And uh, and then of course the more traditional means um, to get the word out. But uh, definitely keep your ears open because there's going to be some really cool things this year. Well, there's there's certainly no shortage, and if people want something to do on a weekend all they have to do is is google and find out what's going on (laughs) well thank you all for being with me today thank you great thank Thank you you. curtis this is great curtis 
And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is librarievoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. Until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.